Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. What a week we've had. Our Prime Minister has stepped down. Uh, There's a scramble for a new leader. Trump has been summoned to testify to lawmakers and the economic forecast for our country seems to be dramatically changing each day. And of course, how could I not mention that Taylor Swift has brought out a new album. (laughs) It's fair to say that ordinary, everyday life as a human in 2022 can be chaotic. And you may have also experienced some ups and downs in your week. I know that some of you work really, really hard and maybe feel that you don't get the recognition you deserve or you're just burnt out from the grind. Some of you are in positions of responsibility and power and you're wondering, how do I steward that? Maybe you've got tricky family dynamics at the moment Perhaps some of you are feeling overlooked in friendship groups and you're just desperate for meaningful connection with other people. Maybe you're experiencing financial worries. I wonder if we feel swept up in the frenzy of fractured personal, social and political relationships around us. John Mark Homer in his book Live No Lies describes how as Christians we can get caught up in the lies around us that go directly against God's vision for his people but how we can often have difficulty accepting that we're in that position. He says well we're far too sophisticated to be fooled, far too enlightened to ever get that confused We would never let people in power like, say, politicians or the media prey on our emotions, playing to our desires and fears to manipulate us to their desired end. And we, individualists that we are, would never do something just because everybody else is doing it. I want us to recognise the place we are in at the moment as we look at the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph shows the sovereign hand of God at work in the mess of ordinary life. The story includes fierce sibling rivalries, parental favouritism. It includes lies, abuse of power, faithfulness in low and high positions, forgiveness and reconciliation. Joseph is sent down to the lowest place, but in the process learns humility and continues to serve God. And God brings him up into a position of impact and influence where he can save a lot of lives, including the very brothers who had portrayed him in the first place. And at the end of the story, Joseph reflects that despite the evil intention of his brothers, God had meant everything that had happened to him for good. And this is the main theme of the story that our series is drawing out at the moment. God's sovereignty through all the ups and downs of life. So let's read our passage for today. We're in Genesis chapter 40. Um, Genesis is near to the start of the Bible. Um, So I'll just give you a second to find that, Genesis 40. We're going to read the whole chapter, but don't worry, it's not too long. Okay, this passage is entitled The Cupbearer and the Baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. 
Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, said Joseph. The three baskets are three days Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. The birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But... He impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So let's just recap what has happened in that passage. This chapter picks up the story um, after some time had passed since Joseph was falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife. Joseph was still in prison and had been gaining trust and responsibility uh, to the point where he was being asked to look after other prisoners. In this chapter, we meet two key characters, the cupbearer and the baker. So the guy that pours the king's drinks and the guy that bakes his bread. And we aren't really told why they're there, only that they've committed some sort of offence against the king. And Joseph was told by Pharaoh's god Potiphar that he must care for the cupbearer and baker whilst in prison. 
the chapter tells the story of Joseph's interaction with these two men and how his assignment is to keep an eye on these men and, and that's going to involve some ministry and bringing revelation even in this dark place such as a prison. So we're going to unpack three headlines from this story, three key things that um, jump out to us as we read this passage that can impact how we live as followers of Jesus in our messy, ordinary, everyday lives. Okay, so firstly, at the heart of this story is the question of dreams and interpretations. In this story, both the cupbearer and the baker had a dream. And this had left them troubled because there was nobody there to interpret the dreams Now, the way the characters in this story relate to dreams might seem a bit strange to us, as we tend to see dreams as having very little significance, um, and maybe it's just our mind trying to process events. In ancient Egypt, dreams were viewed very differently. They were seen as rich with meaning and maybe even predictive of the future. The cupbearer and baker were upset uh, because they'd experienced these intense dreams. You know, one was about um, grapes relating to the cupbearer and one was about bread relating to that baker. So those dreams struck a chord with them, but they didn't know what they meant for each of them. And it would be usual at that time for people to go and see a magician or a diviner um, who would hear that dream and then interpret it for them. Um, So they're likely to be upset in prison because obviously they don't have access to that at the moment. And who was going to help them to understand these dreams? Cue Joseph. And Joseph's response is really interesting. He doesn't dismiss the idea of dreams being significant, but he does push back on where they are looking for an interpretation. And he says that interpretations belong to God. I think it's interesting to reflect here on the parallels with our society. How many people will look to star signs or fortune tellers or maybe sort of feeling the vibe or looking for a trend on social media or listening to influential voices to interpret their experiences and maybe even to think about what the purpose of their life is. But Joseph rebuked the men for thinking that they needed another human who didn't know God to interpret their dreams. Joseph understood that God speaks in many ways and in a culture that puts such weight on dreams, it's not unsurprising that God used that to speak to these people. And this isn't the only time we see God speaking through dreams in the Bible. Just to mention a few, um, it happens a few more times in the story of Joseph as well as in Daniel's story. Daniel interprets the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. God speaking to his people through dreams also happens in the birth narratives around Jesus. Um, So Joseph, not not the one we're talking about today, different Joseph, um, he gets told to marry Mary. And the wise men are redirected away from Herod. God also used dreams to guide the apostles in the book of Acts. And these visions provided them with direction and encouragement so that they had the boldness to go out as the early church. And there are many testimonies today of God speaking through dreams. Um, I'm not sure if I've personally experienced that because I think God's spoken to me in other ways. But maybe some of you here have stories of God speaking to you through a dream. Though God can and does speak through things such as dreams, 
These often make no sense without interpretation. Joseph agreed to interpret the dreams for the men. The cupbearer saw a vine with three branches that budded really quickly and were pressed into Pharaoh's cup. And this meant he would be restored in three days. The baker saw birds eating bread from three baskets on his head. And this meant he would be executed by Pharaoh in three days. In both cases, Joseph's interpretation of the dreams came to pass. Through the Bible, we see God communicating in many ways, including dreams, and he can still speak in such a way today. We must be aware, of course, of the danger of giving dreams too much authority in our lives. As Christians, we have the Bible as a tool and we must weigh anything that we think God might be saying against scripture. Very sadly, throughout history and and even today, um, Christians or people of faith will say that they um, are doing things in the name of God. But we know that those things are abusive or harmful or oppressive. And let me be clear that we believe in a God of compassion who says that all are welcome in his family and that he will only ask us to do things that glorify his good character and that continue to build this kingdom of love Just because someone has had a dream or feels that God has spoken to them about something doesn't necessarily mean that it's from God. Interpretation is key. And so we need to be kept accountable to ensure that we think before we act on that. So it's a balance of being open to hearing God speak, being expecting that he will, and being wise in terms of our interpretation by looking at scripture and praying together as those things come up. So my second headline in this story is about Joseph's faithfulness. Having been through so much suffering and injustice, it would be understandable to see Joseph becoming disillusioned and withdrawn. And yet this was not the case at all. In the midst of his adversity, Joseph still showed faithfulness and kindness in how he handled himself. This can be seen in his first reaction to uh, the two guys after their dream. Joseph comes into the room in the morning and he notices that they are troubled. It's a simple point, but really important. Joseph was still switched on to what other people were feeling and he noticed their distress. He wasn't so wrapped up in his own problems that he was blind to theirs. He didn't just notice that there was a problem, but he asked them about it. He wasn't afraid of sharing in somebody else's mess. And he was ready to create a space for them to speak about what was bothering them. Romans 12 verse 15 encourages us to rejoice with those who rejoice, but also to mourn with those who mourn. Here's a quote I noted down from a seminar from years ago that I think articulates this well. God has designed us to need each other. Loneliness is a lack of connectedness. Friendship is standing shoulder to shoulder and both focusing on something together. True friends will be walking in when you need them, when others are walking out. Joseph was confident in stepping forward and volunteering himself when he knew that he could help them. The language of spiritual gifts isn't really introduced to us until the New Testament, but it's clearly comparable to what is happening here, right? 
Joseph, uh, Joseph even, um, had this divine enablement from God um, that he could give a true interpretation of the dreams. And he wasn't afraid to step forward and use that gift, despite it being potentially costly in the place that he was in. It could have been really costly if he was wrong. But he used that gift faithfully and he was willing to share what God had shown him about that interpretation, whether that um, the person who's had the dream was going to receive it or not. He was willing to have a go. God has put each of us in situations around other people for a reason. And we have an opportunity to serve and do good to them. Like Joseph, we can pay attention to what is going on for people around us. We can show compassion by giving space to talk about what is troubling them. And we also have gifts from God that we can use to serve one another. And as the opportunity arises, we can be bold in stepping forward and using those gifts in order to be a blessing and to bring God's revelation just like Joseph did. So where has God placed you at the moment? What circles do you socialise in? To stop and think about the opportunities that are around you at the moment to be faithful and serve. Remember, the story of Joseph is just about ordinary, messy, everyday life, just where we are. And I wonder if in the coming months, with continued uncertainty in our country, if we could be faithful in the kingdom's mandate to love our neighbours. I think there's a challenge here to think beyond ourselves, beyond the walls of our own homes. What if we notice a friend and maybe if they're struggling with bills and we just offer to cook for them or do their washing? What about praying as we walk around our neighbourhood or workplace? Maybe taking food to the food bank drop-off, giving our talents in a church service or a small group. God gave Joseph the ability to interpret dreams and he can enable us in many ways to help those around us spiritually and practically. And I think that's an amazing thing that the church is called to do. The final key takeaway from this passage is that Joseph was forgotten by people but he wasn't forgotten by God. After Joseph had given the cupbearer the interpretation of his dream, um, he asked him to put a word in with Pharaoh to get him out of prison. Um, And in verse 14, Joseph says, remember me and show me kindness. That's quite a plea, isn't it? And mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. And you can just imagine him kind of maybe holding on to the guy, like, please make sure you pass this on. And though that dream came true, we're told that the cupbearer failed to deliver on this agreement. He seems to have just completely forgotten about Joseph. It was already around 13 years since Joseph had been sold into slavery. And this could have been the turning point in his story, but it wasn't. And he remained in prison, forgotten for another couple of years. There's times in our lives, isn't there, when we can feel left behind and forgotten. Uh, maybe by our friends, by our family, maybe even by God. And I've definitely experienced those moments where maybe someone didn't come through on a promise that they'd made to me, um, or, you know, friends have moved away and we've said, we'll keep in touch, and then we've never spoken. Um, And I'd argue that particularly for those of us in like the 18s to 30s age bracket, we can feel forgotten by the policy makers and decision makers in our country, We speak about mental health being really important and yet there's not very much funding for therapy and support. Um, Going to university is expensive, isn't it? And it might feel a bit impossible for some of us. 
We live in a culture of brief encounters where we quickly forget each other. Stories might disappear just in a moment or within 24 hours. We see snapshots of each other's filtered lives online. And often we don't have that much follow-up in real life. I know I'm guilty of maybe seeing things on Instagram and thinking, oh, I'll, I'll check in with that person and then I totally forget to. Joseph's ancient Egypt equivalent is that he is sat in a prison, forgotten by the others. And I can't imagine prison was great, especially in ancient Egypt. The feeling of him being misunderstood and unfairly punished must have been heartbreaking. The isolation and limits on his freedom for so many years would have been horrible. We can just picture that. Joseph was a real human with thoughts and emotions just like you and I. And this story shows us that hard times will come in life, but we have a choice as followers of Jesus. In the hardest times, it can be so difficult to continue faithfully serving God. It can be so tempting in our current situations to just give up hope and be disappointed. And actually, I want you to hear that God sees those emotions and he sees where you're at at the moment. It's much easier to follow God when things are going well, isn't it? When prayers get answered, uh, when we feel really on fire, when we feel his presence tangibly in a time of worship. But it can be hard to keep going when life isn't that exciting or we feel like the outcomes of our faithfulness are not what we want. C.S. Lewis once said, the main work of life is to come out of ourselves, out of the little dark prison we are in and not to come to love that prison. Now, we're not in this room sat in a physical prison, but like C.S. Lewis describes, we can feel like we're living in that dark prison. Perhaps we're maybe even getting a little bit comfortable. We've been there a while because it's easier to settle than to trust that God will turn things around for good. Holding suffering and faithfulness in tension is not easy. Joseph shows us that. But Joseph served God through those long seasons of suffering there were so many false starts, so many disappointments along the way. This story is an awesome example to us that we will face setbacks, but that's not going to be the end of the story. Because with God, he will ultimately use things for good. We are called to remain faithful through the midst of all of that, just like Joseph, because God does not forget his people. Uh, just this morning, I was reminded of God being with us and him seeing our struggles. Um, I wasn't 100% sure if I was going to go to the morning service. I was like, oh, I'm coming this evening. I'll see how I feel. And then I just felt like, actually, I'll go along. Um, and when we're in worship, Abby um, said, oh, Abby and Tim, can you, can you go to the back? And if anyone wants prayer, go to the back. And nobody did, which is fine. I won't take it personally. Um, but then it was great because Tim said, when I was preaching, I actually felt like I wanted to pray for you. So like God orchestrated this moment where we could pray together. And Julia came and prayed too. And um, when Tim prayed, the words and pictures he shared were kind of like right down to some of the specific worries I've been having at the moment. Um, and that was just a beautiful reminder for me that God sees my every need. Um, he sees when we maybe feel a bit dejected or anxious or forgotten. He sees that prison that we're in when we go in on ourselves. But he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I have a plan to get you out of this. 
as well as Joseph's story, we see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus was thrown into a grave, into a dark place. And yet from that place, he came out into a position of authority and freedom, impacting our lives forever. And this is the human journey, isn't it really? Like slavery to freedom. It's a narrative we see throughout the history of God's people. Jesus' offer to you today is one of rescue and deliverance from that prison. Maybe a prison of sin or a prison of yourself. And he leads us into a new life. A new life where God will give us the gifts to help others. Where we'll be loved and strengthened by the God of the universe. He'll be with us through those tough times. Into a new life where you will be known by name and you will never be forgotten. The Bible tells us not to be afraid, which is easier said than done. But the Bible does remind us that God's always with us. He's always on our side. He's saved us from living under the constraints and the lies of the enemy. We are God's people and he never forgets about us. (laughs) Joseph was faithful in this story, wasn't he? But he was forgotten by the cupbearer and the baker. But God is going to use this for good.